Welcome to the HC Insider Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the commodities sector and the people within it. I'm your host, Paul Chapman. Today we're talking Singapore and its role as a commodity trading hub. Today and what the future might hold. Our guest is Mr. Lee Pak Singh, Assistant Chief Executive Officer from Enterprise Singapore, the government agency under the Ministry of Trade and Industry that champions enterprise development and partners closely with the commodities sector. In a world of energy transition, deglobalization, and digitization, what's Singapore's role? As always, if you enjoy the show, please do leave us a positive review on the platform you're listening on, and please recommend it to your colleagues. And as always, I hope you enjoy the episode. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, I'm excited to have this discussion. We're talking about Singapore as a commodity trading hub, both its status today as well as what the future holds in, in a world of energy transition, deglobalization, and, and digitization, which are some of the, the key themes we're going to be talking about. I, I guess before we go much further, though, can you help us understand what is Enterprise Singapore and, and just contextualize that for us? Well, thank you for the question. Um, Enterprise Singapore is the uh, government agency that's uh, in charge of developing the trade sector, commodity trading sector. Uh, we will work with companies to uh, anchor the presence here and expand the activities uh, in Singapore. And uh, we will want to make sure that Singapore is a compelling place uh, for trading companies to grow the business in Singapore. And so we work very closely with um, all the major players, international commodity players, and we also work with many of the partners to ensure that Singapore is a conducive uh, business environment for trading companies to expand their operations in Singapore to manage their operations in the region and the world. When we think about global commodity trading platforms, Singapore is, has almost been a, a you know it's a must for most organisations in terms of the Asian markets and, and and a presence there. Can you just give us some sense of scale and the importance of commodity trading to Singapore as a as a trading hub? The commodity trading sector is is a very big sector in Singapore. Uh, Singapore has always been a trading nation. We uh, started as a country that is based uh, very much on uh, on trade, and uh, over the years we have traded many different products. I mean, starting from uh, trading spices, rubber, to now trading across a whole range of commodities. We trade commodities in metals, minerals. Uh, we trade commodities in energy, chemicals. We trade commodities in agriculture. And this is a big sector for us. It contributes uh, to uh, about 18.6% of our GDP, which is the second largest uh, sector in Singapore after manufacturing. It employs many people uh, in Singapore, some 16,000 trading professionals, and plus other non-trading professionals, you have about 300,000 in this sector. So it's a very big sector for Singapore. And for the trading community uh, sector, we have also all the major uh, global players here. We have about 400 of them in Singapore, uh, which forms a very rich ecosystem of players, uh, which they can uh, buy and sell from each other. So all in all, the trading sector is an important part of Singapore's economy. In addition to just not just its contribution to GDP, it allows Singapore to be connected to the rest of the world. Uh, it makes us global. Uh, it makes us connected to markets 
from in the, the region and markets beyond the region. So it makes Singapore an important node uh, in the international global trade. Mm. And there, of course, are those benefits as why shoe shops uh, group together from our, our earliest economic studies as kids. You know, there's, a, there's definitely the benefit to the concentration piece. But structurally, can you just help us understand what, why did Singapore gain the status of the major commodity trading hub in the region? There are a few factors in our favour. Uh, first, of course, is, is good, excellent location uh, for trade to happen. You have to be in a place where people come and they come easily and be able to do business uh, easily. Uh, so right uh, early from the start of history, we, we are in a very strategic location where trade takes place. Uh, it is a place where you can come and, and move your products. Beyond that, we have, of course, uh, various elements which support the the business of trade. For trade to happen, you do need to have a strong uh, legal uh, infrastructure. You need to have good financing mechanism. You do need to have a ability to find counterparties. And over time, as we grow the sector and more people come, it set up a very good place where you can, in Singapore, be able to find um, parties that you can buy from and parties you can sell to. And so over time, Singapore become a very compelling place for commodity players to be here. When you are here, you are able to find your customers, you are able to find your suppliers. And also at the same time, uh, over time, it's easy to find talents to want to come to this place. And that talents help you to further grow your business, further uh, able to find opportunities in the region and beyond. So over overall, Singapore is a compelling place for commodity traders uh, to expand their operations. Yeah, and we're going to come back to that talent piece a little bit later on. Let's let's I guess turn to the the first of those, well, the middle of those those pillars that I mentioned, which was deglobalization. It's fair to say at the moment that compared to 10 years ago, the world is a more complex place in terms of international trade, uh in terms of navigating various sanctions that have occurred, various ge- geopolitical rivalries that have arisen, all exacerbated by by COVID as well. Just can you give us some sense of kind of how Singapore positions itself within that growing complexity within the world? Yeah, it's, it's precisely for these structural forces that Singapore plays a role. When you come to Singapore, you'll be able to connect to everywhere uh, in the world. And, and because Singapore is a good neutral place to do business, yeah, you will be able to find um, counterparties from different countries. Uh, based out of Singapore. And that gives you a very strong uh, value proposition uh, for you to say that if I come here, despite the global structural forces of deglobalization, I will be able to find partners uh, to collaborate with uh, from Europe, from America, from North Asia, from Middle East, from Africa, from Latin America. And this gives this value proposition to individuals and to companies to want to find businesses globally. And so, so Singapore remains uh, attractive place where international business can continue to function despite uh, the global structural challenges. How is that actually manifested in terms of how Singapore achieves that kind of neutrality and being that sort of neutral player but with clear line of sight to rules and so forth? So it is sort of that center of collaboration for let's, you know, the global commodity world, which of course is about moving commodities globally for you know, in in time and space, in, in for processing and so forth, which very much is a a global trade that has developed over the last twenty years. 
help us understand a bit more about how Singapore has positioned itself and achieved that goal. On a few levels, on a macro levels, uh, Singapore has signed uh, free trade agreements with 64 different countries. And so that remains uh, maintain the links that we have with uh, important economies around the world. So that's one. So through this free trade agreement, uh, companies which set up operations here will be able to take advantage of the terms in the free trade agreement to do their business freely and easily. Second, because Singapore is such a, a compelling place, you have companies from different parts of the world being based here. So you have the Chinese company based here, you have the American companies here, you have the European companies here, the Middle Eastern companies here. With these companies being located in such a dense place uh, in, in Singapore, we'll be able to find opportunities where people from these countries can speak to each other easily in Singapore and then find business collaboration opportunities out of Singapore. So these, these factors allow us to maintain our linkages with the rest of the world and allow people from the rest of the world to maintain linkages with one another. So we say that Singapore is the heart of trade where you can come here, you'll be able to find um, partners to work with and you'll be able to materialize the collaboration through um, our agreements and also through, of course, individual uh, business contracts. Yeah, and I guess if I look at sort of the long view, at least 10 years ago, Hong Kong was a, a major regional rival for uh, some aspects of the commodities world. That obviously is, has waned in recent years. Now we have sort of the rise of Dubai in particular as trying to, to create its own commodity trading hub, Abu Dhabi as well. Can you give us some comment on, is that a concern to Singapore? There will always be different hubs existing at the same time in the world, which serve different purposes. So you have a commodity trading hub in London, in Switzerland, in Singapore, and as you mentioned, also in Hong Kong and Dubai. Each of these hubs serve a different purpose. They have a different unique value proposition. And so I think it is uh, useful for us to see where Singapore play uh, as part of its uh, unique uh, value proposition to companies. So companies, for example, uh, might choose Singapore because of its very good, diverse ecosystem of counterparties where they can find their partners to work with easily. And even if, let's say, for example, you we have commodity players from the Middle East, say Abu Dhabi National Oil Company, they set up operations in Singapore, even though, of course, Dubai in itself is a uh, upcoming commodity hub. And the reason why they do so is because when they are in Singapore, it's easy for them to find markets to sell to because the counterparties are here. Or at the product level, it, there is a strength in Singapore's commodity hub as an LNG commodity trading hub. So companies uh, like the oil majors may decide to have their LNG uh, global trading desk based out of Singapore because it's easier for them to find talents. It's easier for them to find the latest uh, intelligence about LNG trading. And also it's easier for them to find, again, uh, counterparties to sell and buy the LNG from. So different hubs will have this different value proposition. And I think that Singapore can continue to play its role uh, in the global trade. Yeah, thanks for that. Okay, um, and we're going to keep. We are going to come back to talent because I think that is the key competition out there. Really, in a sense, you know, companies need to trust that they are going to be able to build teams locally. Let's just turn to the 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 first of those big pillars I mentioned at the start, the energy transition. Can you just give us some sense of how the energy sector has developed 
in response to that, obviously particularly leaning into, I guess, the, the carbon side as well as you know, biofuels plays a big part as well. Can you give us some sense of what Singapore is doing in the energy transition and in particular how your agency is supporting that? Yeah, energy transition is a is a major agenda around the world, and and Singapore, uh, of course, is also deeply involved in in that agenda. On the commodity trading front, uh, on energy transition, there'll be few of these products which will be important uh, for trade. Uh, we see first uh, LNG as a key uh, product in the energy transition phase. Uh, energy continue to be an important uh, energy source, even as we transit over time. And Singapore is a major LNG uh, commodity hub. We have 60 of the LNG trading companies here uh, in huge volumes. And we'll continue to place emphasis on that. So, for example, we recently launched a talent development program for LNG traders called the Leadership Development Initiative to build a pool of local talents in LNG trading. And companies like Osaka Gas uh, is on board that program. Second, uh, there'll be new products that will be uh, becoming more important over time. Uh, so for example, biofuel is, is one of these key products that uh, we see many companies increasingly uh, trading. And there is a pivot from, from some of these energy companies doing traditional crude and petrochemical products to also uh, go into biofuel. And we're seeing uh, cases of that. Today, we have also about 60 companies uh, trading in biofuel. And in fact, recently, there's a largest blender in Europe called Plex, uh, which set up uh, operations here uh, to do precisely that. Beyond uh, LNG and biofuel, in the space of energy transition, uh, other products like carbon uh, will also be important uh, in terms of carbon trading. And we have over time uh, attracted companies in this area of carbon services, uh, both to originate carbon, uh, to finance, and also to trade carbon, more precisely carbon credits. Uh, and, and we see companies setting up carbon trading desks in Singapore. Uh, companies like Trafigura are doing so. Chevron is doing so. So we are encouraging their setting out of these carbon trading desks in a few areas. One is, of course, ensuring that there will be common service companies to service this trade. Second is also to train up the pool of talents. And we are in earnest talking to our academic uh, institutions to develop a pool of traders which can trade uh, carbon credits. So all in all, we are very enthusiastic about this uh, carbon transition and we are working very closely with companies to expand our activities in trading of these newer energy products. Can you just lean into that carbon trading piece a little bit? So does the Singapore government itself have a carbon scheme? What products are these carbon traders leaning into that means that Singapore is the place to be? Uh, a few things. One is that uh, Singapore is, I, I think, one country in the region that have implemented the carbon tax. Uh, today is $5. It will reach 50 to $80 by 2030. And, and this carbon tax requires companies which are producing carbon emission to pay for this. But what we have addition to the carbon tax is to allow offsets. Uh, up to 5% of this carbon tax can be offset by carbon credit. So there is already demand for carbon credits uh, in Singapore. But obviously, when the carbon uh, trading desk is set up in Singapore, it's not just to serve the carbon 
credit demand from Singapore, but also in the region and beyond. In Singapore and in the region, uh, companies are willing to set up the carbon trading desk here because there's also opportunities in the region for carbon credit origination, uh, in particular, the nature-based solutions in Southeast Asia, which is uh, rich in natural resources. So companies see opportunities in the region for carbon credit origination. Uh, they see a demand for carbon credit, both from the Singapore market, which is um, limited, but also uh, in the region and beyond. And also, um, they will see uh, opportunities where they can find carbon traders which are willing to come here to do the trade. So we are confident and, uh, and actually we are quite optimistic in building Singapore as a carbon trading hub, uh, just as how we have done so for other products like LNG. Yeah, yeah. And we've been, uh, HC Group has been busy, I guess, on both fronts, LNG and carbon in Singapore for a couple of years in terms of, of meeting that talent demand. Moving on to digitization and indeed just innovation as well. Again, looking at the commodity market's journey over the last decade or so, digitization, innovation has played a key part in both lowering costs, increasing transaction speeds, and then also as well, obviously, the rise of data science to be able to make better trading decisions. Can you help us understand what Singapore has done there? Because it's quite significant how much you've incentivized innovation and digitization hubs in the region. Digitalization and innovation uh, are important because digitalization helps to optimize your business. Uh, you optimize either the management of your assets or you optimize your supply chain or you optimize your trade. So which allows you to um, make more revenues uh, with your existing operations. Innovation allows you to develop new products which will allow you to uh, capture new revenue stream. So these two areas are something that we find that this is important for us to invest in so that companies in Singapore can not just expand their trade, finding new customers, but also to increase their profitability. On digitalization, we are looking at working with companies to build their digital teams uh, in Singapore. And we have seen some good examples. For example, Yara, which is a Norwegian fertilizing fertilizer company, has set up a digital hub in Singapore comprising 100 people, uh, which would uh, develop digital solutions to manage their operations and to manage their clients, which are the farmers. And to do that, they need to be in a place where they can develop new solutions. And to develop new solutions, they need to be in a place where they can easily assess talents. And so what we have done uh, in Singapore is to ensure that they are able to assess these talents, whether domestic, local talents or international talents to grow their digital activities. In terms of innovation, we have also worked with companies to develop uh, innovation labs in Singapore, which will then be able to produce new products. So we have worked with companies like Olam to set up their customer solution center, which allows them to collaborate with other partners to develop new products. We have also tied up companies with our local academic institutions for them to use the commodities to develop new products. So, for example, a local trading company, AgroCorp, used their agriculture commodities to develop plant-based food, which then they can sell and earn additional business revenue. Besides this, we also have platforms where companies can find solutions 
to their problems. So we have platforms like Open Innovation Challenge, uh, where companies will pitch their, will put their problem statement into the Open Innovation Platform, and then companies like startups can offer the solutions. Through this platform, companies will be able to find solutions which they ordinarily may not find based on their own networks. So we provide this platform, which are additional networks for them to source for good ideas. So companies like Kagyu, for example, uh, has tapped on this network to find uh, new solutions. And uh, companies like Olam was able to use this uh, open innovation platform to find solutions from startups as far as Brazil. So it is a, it is a good platform for us to deepen the innovative activities of these traders and we'll continue to, to invest in these areas. The HC Insider podcast is brought to you by HC Group, a retained search, intelligence and advisory firm focused solely on the global energy and commodity sector. With six locations across Asia, Europe and the Americas and over 50 consultants. To find out more, go to our website, hcgroup.global. There, you can also sign up for our HC Insider content for more interviews and white papers on relevant trends and talent impacts in the commodities world. And if I think about today, there's kind of this two pillars of innovation that it's certainly in the zeitgeist. One is obviously AI and the other is blockchain technologies, not you know putting aside meme coins and crypto and so forth, but harnessing blockchain technologies to facilitate transactions and start to actually increase the ability to actually capture attributes around commodities and so forth. We've covered this on the podcast. Can you give us any sense of how those two elements fit on the radar there? Obviously, they're both relatively nascent technologies. Yeah, uh, I, I'm glad you pointed out. Uh, it, is, it is an area that we are looking into, uh, in particular, using technologies uh, like AI, machine learning, or uh, distributed uh, ledger technology to increase efficiency of uh, the trade and, and to optimize it. And and this in, in particular at the pre-trade phase where you can uh, use data to find what is the most optimized trade and be able to then make uh, the most efficient trade out of it and, and get the uh, maximum profits uh, from there. Uh, it is a new it's a, a new nascent area. We are looking at companies where we can think would be able to service these commodity players uh, in Singapore and we will we'll do our best to bring in these companies so that they can then provide the solutions to the commodity traders. Yeah, and I guess we can ask this because you, you see a lot of this and you're, it's really interesting that the nexus point that ESG provides. What do you see when it comes to innovation what are the biggest themes out there that that you can point to that uh, for our own edification? I, I think innovation can be in both the product space and the process space. So in particular for the product space where you can use your existing products to develop new products which the market demands. Uh, as I pointed out, for example, if you are an agriculture commodity player uh, in the past, you may be trading the commodities, um, but in the future, you could use uh, innovation to turn those commodities into products that people want. And you have companies like Kagyu, which are which have set up their R and D lab in Singapore to precisely do do so. On the process space, where you want to use innovative ways to manage your operations better, 
it is uh, a form where you can also leverage on digitalization to do so. So on these two fronts, either at the uh, process innovation or the product innovation, we are trying to see how we can provide the talents, uh, the ideas, uh, the funding, the collaboration opportunities in Singapore so that companies will find that I will want to come here to find new solutions either to improve my processes or to find opportunities to develop new products so that I can then have added business stream beyond the buying and selling of the commodities. There's some significant incentives as well. Can you give us some sense of kind of the, I guess, the tax structure, the incentives in place and how companies can take advantage of that? Uh, we, we will work with individual companies based on the business plan to see how we can support them in their business uh, expansion. So the, the support ranges from um, financial support uh, in terms of grants or uh, tax incentives. So it depends on the individual company's business plan and then we will work with them on a customized uh, package of support. So at the centre of this is talent and ensuring that there's both sufficient local talent for companies to build the necessary teams and infrastructure they have, but also, I guess, attracting talent from the other commodities hubs who can bring that various expertise and seniority to the region to be able to lead those teams in, and, and build the expertise locally. That's it's quite a, a tough challenge, achieving both those goals, right? Building local talent in a sustainable manner, but also allowing and fostering external talent coming to Singapore to be able to bring that expertise. Can you give us some sense of of how you manage that relationship and what that means for organizations? Thank you. Uh, it's always a combination of both the local talent as well as the international talents. And that's both by design and by choice, by choice and by constraint. Uh, obviously, Singapore is, uh, is a small country with limited population size, and therefore you always will need to augment our local talent with international talent. But it's also a, uh, by design because we will want the, the trading sector to be a sector where uh, it is a cosmopolitan one, where a young person who joins a trading company will find across the table individuals from all over the world when you join the company, it's truly a global company uh, where you get to interact with people from Europe, people from uh, Americas, people from North Asia and Africa, Middle East, etc. And so we will always have a pool of both the international talents and domestic talents in the trading sector. Now, how do we go about uh, ensuring that? First, on the domestic talents, we will want to ensure that there is a pipeline of talents that are being trained to be able to function well in the sector. And here we work with our local universities like NTU and SMU, which is Nanyang Technological University and Singapore Management University, to develop programs to ensure that there are uh, talents, young talents that are able to perform well in the sector. At the same time, we also have programs which will be able to convert mid-career uh, talents, which are maybe in another sector, to become professionals in the trading sector. So we have career conversion programs through our different government agencies. And these are the, the local talents development and initiatives that we will pursue. In addition to that, we will want to make sure that Singapore is a place where international talent would want to come. Meaning to say that uh, it must add to their career uh, that having a stint in Singapore 
adds value to their resume. And that's why we want to ensure that our commodity trading sector remains a leading one, that it is always at the forefront of the commodity sector trading development, uh, either in terms of uh, trading new products or new ways of trading or in the forefront of digitalization and innovation. And at the same time, uh, it must be easy for this talent to come. And so our manpower policies will ensure that it's easy for companies to recruit and to bring them to Singapore. And in this aspect, uh, Singapore has always remained friendly towards international talents. If you have the relevant skills and expertise and experience, uh, we welcome you to come. And that in Singapore, it'll be an easy place for you to operate. And it'll be also an easy place for your families to be in. And so it will remain a family-friendly place for the talents and uh, their families. What we're seeing right now, obviously, in the commodities sector is a revival of the sector in terms of the necessity to manage volatility, to capture margin, get closer to one's customers. And obviously, the energy transition is a key part of that. And there are lots of organizations at the moment considering building trading teams within Singapore. What's the first port of call there? Is how do, how do they interact with Enterprise Singapore starting to put the, the first boots on the ground, so to speak? Well, we have a, uh, our network of Enterprise Singapore offices around the world. And so uh, wherever you are, you'll be able to have access to our offices and start the conversation. They can, uh, of course, uh, contact any of the Enterprise Singapore offices uh, in Singapore and we'll be willing to walk happy to walk them through uh, how to establish operations in Singapore. The good thing is, of course, uh, there are already many companies here and some of these um, companies would uh, be able to provide some of their experiences in terms of uh, setting up operations here. On the technical issues uh, that some companies face, for example, in terms of the recruitment of their talents and bringing them here, uh, there may be some manpower policies or regulations that they are not so familiar with. Enterprise Singapore will be able to explain them and if necessary also to check in with our relevant authorities, the manpower authorities, to ensure that uh, the companies will be able to find the easiest uh, way uh, to bring in the talents. So uh, whether in terms of the broader business plan or the technical issues, they can approach Enterprise Singapore and we'll be able to walk them through. There are also other professional firms of which they will be able to provide them with very precise professional advice on issues like, for example, legal or finance, uh, which we will have our partners that we can refer these companies to. Uh, so if you are uh, think, thinking of setting up a operations in Singapore, uh, please approach Enterprise Singapore. You can find us uh, obviously on, on the website and there'll be a number for you, you to call and, and to email to. Yeah, yeah, and obviously HC Group has been a, a long-term partner with you on the human resources side. A final question, as you look towards the future, we've already identified these ongoing trends of deglobalization, energy transition, digitization. What do you think the future holds for Singapore as a commodity trading hub? And can you give us some sort of sense of the key, I guess, strategic initiatives that you're focused on for the next couple of years? A trade has been and will always be important to Singapore's economy, simply for the fact that Singapore is small and that we want to uh, remain available, uh, useful to the rest of the world. And trade allows us to do that. It allows us to be connected 
uh, globally. It allows us to be remain relevant to countries around the world. So we will ensure that Singapore remains a place where trade will be key uh, to the economy and the companies can base operations here and to conduct their trade easily. In terms of where the trade will shape up over time, just as how we have uh, seen ourselves through the years in adapting ourselves to structural forces and to changes globally, you will see that our trade in terms of the products will evolve. So in the past, we have been trading spices, uh, natural rubber, and now we are now trading across a whole range of commodity products like metal minerals, energy chemicals, and agriculture. In the future, Singapore would also be trading in those products that will be important to the rest of the world. So in particular, since uh, the energy transition agenda is going to be an uh, important one going into the future, you will see Singapore trading in those new products, biofuels, like carbon credits, like EV metals. At the same time, over the years in going ahead, we will ensure that Singapore remains a cosmopolitan city where international talents will find it compelling for them to come and easy for them to operate. And this must remain core to us because for us to be relevant to the world, the world must feel that they have an easy place for them to operate in Singapore. And so we will remain open to businesses, we will remain open to talents, and we also remain open to ideas. And that will allow us to make sure that Singapore remains competitive and that will allow us to ensure Singapore remains the heart of trade. Yeah, well, fantastic. I think we're we're both excited about the next decade or, or two decades and uh, the commodity trading's role in the energy transition. And, um, well, thank you very much for coming on the show. We'll put links to Enterprise Singapore in the show notes so people can find you. And, yeah, I, I look forward to having you on again in the future and, and seeing how the journey continues. Thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support the show, please give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. To find out more about HC Insider and HC Group, a search and advisory firm dedicated to the commodity markets, visit our website at www.hcgroup.global. There you can find out more about our services and our offices around the world. There you can also find more content from interviews to insight pieces to more podcasts focused on the commodity value chains. Thanks again for listening.